Hey, everybody, what's going on? It's Jesse Lee, and you can call me the people's mentor or hashtag boss Lee. This episode is episode 556, and this is me interviewing Dr. Michael Appa of Appa Aesthetics. I do a pretty good intro at the beginning of the actual episode of him, so I won't tell you too much, but I do want to let you know this is not really about dentistry. I do ask veneers questions in the first 20 minutes or so, so if you are looking to get um, any kind of cosmetic dentistry done, you can check that out and listen through that portion. You should listen to all of it anyway, but this conversation is so incredible and how this man turned a simple dentistry practice into this massive brand that is spanning across the globe. If you are in New York, Dubai, LA, in almost Florida, it's not open yet, um, you can go directly to his office or you can fly in like I did. I cannot say enough about my experience. I do compliment him heavily throughout the episode about my experience with Apa Aesthetics, but really guys, it was next level. And you guys have seen this mouth. I mean, come on, if you haven't seen the mouth yet, go to my Instagram and look. But at any rate, he's truly one of a kind. And there's so much business knowledge to glean from somebody who has created a brand, a business, an empire of his own through dentistry, which a lot of people think is just something you cannot scale. So get inside the brain of Dr. Michael Appa and of course, yours truly, Jesse Lee, uh, on this episode. There's a lot of notes to take, so make sure you do so. And here's the deal. We have to show him how strong the Lehigh is, right? So make sure that when you listen to this episode, and you can do it now, okay? Let's just go ahead and do it now. Go ahead and screenshot this episode, and you can put it in your Instagram or Facebook or whatever stories. And his Instagram is super easy to find. It's just at doctor, spell out the word, D-O-C-T-O-R, APA, A-P-A. And of course, I am, I'm Boss Lee. So tag both of us. I always respond to each of them and I will try to reshare multiples of them as well. The reviews on this show are coming in like crazy, and so I appreciate how many of you have taken the time to go over to Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is you are listening to this, and you've taken time to leave these reviews. It's really incredible, and it means a lot to me. And so I am going to read a review today from Sky Vixen. Love it. It's like having a best friend in my ear. Five stars. I love how Jessie Lee is real. I feel like she is talking to me like my best friend should. I'm going to listen and learn. My goal this month is to read everything you say and learn from you since you are being selfless enough to share your knowledge. Thank you. I only wish I found you sooner, but then again, maybe I wasn't ready for all of this. I'm a work in progress. I appreciate you so much. I'm starting over, so I decided to back go back to the first podcast. Amazing and correct. I don't blame anyone for my failure. It was a learning process. Thank you so much for all this free 99 value. It is priceless. I love you guys. I appreciate you. And I have such good news about the Boss League Accelerator program. So check out my Instagram stories for more of that. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. And you can also follow Dr. Appa on Instagram along as long and... <laughs> Come on, Jesse Lee, English. Appa Aesthetics is the actual page. You can check out other doctors that also work with him as well. Enjoy the show. I know you're going to. But anyway, so do you have any questions that are off limits? I assume no, because I'm not going to ask anything weird. No. Okay, cool. And are you good? How have you been? Great. Good. Glad to see it. All right, let's start recording. Okay. Recording in progress. All right. Hello, hello, everybody. What's going on? It's Jesse Lee. You can call me hashtag boss Lee or the people's mentor. And this is an exciting episode of the people's mentor podcast because this is not only very requested with the amount of questions I've had about this new grill in my mouth, but also I love bringing on only people that I really, really think can impact not only just the world, but also the business world. And so I have to tell a couple stories throughout this that even Dr. Michael Appa in, I don't know if he's in New York, LA, definitely not Dubai right now. 
Um, he's in LA. He's in LA. I thought so because I saw a post from four days ago. But um, he doesn't even know because I do things a little bit differently. My brain kind of operates in strange ways, as those of you who listen to this know. But um, first and foremost, I will just let everyone listening to this know who he is. He is, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinions, the number one aesthetic dentist in the world. And so if you're looking for normal teeth stuff, sure. But if you're looking for the most beautiful custom porcelain veneers that are not perfect teeth, but they're perfect for your face and totally custom to all the perfections and imperfections of what you look like. You really need to look no further. You can find him at uh, just, is it at Dr. Appa? I think it is um, on Instagram. That's where I found him or Appa Aesthetics is where you can find him on Instagram as well. But um, you are amazing. You have a career of at least 20 years that I know of, at least with Dr. Rosenthal in your practice in New York. And the teeth I've seen you do, I just, you're an artist and you are also an incredible businessman. And something that attracted me so much to you that I will get into today is you have a brand. And that is something that I think probably most doctors, dentists, lawyers, things of that kind of career profession think is impossible or maybe not even important. And you have just totally broken the mold with that and shown people what can happen if you focus on things that are maybe maybe not the typical thing in business. So, hi, how are you? Hi, that was a, that was a nice welcome, thank you very much. Um, it's interesting, because you know I fight for that all the time, and I, I, I don't feel like I have it. Um, but that is obviously where I'm trying to bring this to, you know? In every profession, there's been fashion designers, hairstylists, they can all, you know, they were all um, special in their own right. Yeah. But they all figured out how to make a brand of what they do and filter it out to the masses so that more people can enjoy whatever it is they do, whether it's hair or fashion or whatever it is. I just feel that because there's no standardization in dentistry, so many people are scared about going in and doing this procedure that it should be, um, you should be able to walk into a place and kind of understand that you can trust the place that you're in and trust you can get what you're looking for. That's really our goal. Yeah, well, I have a million things already now that I have to veer the interview off because I just, oh gosh, so, so, so exciting. But people are scared and I'm gonna actually kind of get into that a little bit, but um, first, can we talk about my teeth for everybody who's asked me 10,000 questions? So I wanna hear it from your perspective. What did you do to my mouth? Like when you met me on, we did a FaceTime consultation first. You liked me immediately because I was in the gym. Um, <laughs> and uh, you told me what you told me and then I came and I met you and all this stuff. But what did you do to this mouth? And um, we'll go from there. So you, like most um, successful entrepreneurs, uh, ground your teeth. And you could see it immediately when you were speaking to me on that first uh, Zoom. And it's interesting. Can I ask you a question, actually? Yes. What did you think that I was able to give you direction that quickly over Zoom? Were you like, this guy's full of shit, or? <laughs> Uh, well, it was, I knew it would be very obvious to you that you would be able to see how small my teeth were. My teeth were ground down a lot for those of you who may be new to, to my channel as well. But, uh, one thing that immediately impressed me from the conversation was you said right away, you said, okay, 
you grind your teeth, I'm gonna have to redo your entire bottom jaw. And then you said, I still remember this because my brain is crazy, but you said it would be negligible dentistry. Those are the words you used. It would be negligible dentistry if I do not do your entire bottom jaw. And then you said, you could go somewhere else and get cheap dentistry and they will do whatever, but you will have it replaced shortly. And I'm like, well, this man is confident. I like it. And then you said, uh, and then that was cool, but then you did say, you said, if I could guess from this FaceTime, your front teeth are probably about eight millimeters. And I went, oh, we're talking in millimeters. Wow. Okay. Like, he knows what he's talking about. Um, so I was like, okay, he definitely knows what he's talking about. And I had found you, I think I told you this, but I found you six years prior through Instagram and somebody had gotten her teeth done and I followed you for a long time. I just kept watching your, your work evolve and evolve and evolve. And, wow. you know, as I got more successful in the entrepreneurial world, I saw a lot of bad teeth and I didn't know why they were bad teeth. I just remember when people would say, oh, I'm going to get veneers. I'd be, oh no. Why are we getting veneers? They're going to look like chiclets or they're going to look, they're all these squared off teeth you see people get and there's no character to them. And I, I don't want that. And uh, I had kind of adopted this, oh no, the little teeth are my thing kind of thing until I chipped again, another one of my front teeth chipped again. I said, this is just, I look like a poor person. Don't look how bad that is. <laughs> my, my before photo. Um, but no, I, I thought, I think it's really effective. That probably goes into part of how you scale your brand is yeah. you've got to figure out the timing behind everything. And right. from not only that conversation, my brain went a different place than you might have thought, which is I liked how you, I could already see the systems. And I could see that because my brain works in systems. So I went, oh, so you've got like this one gatekeeper who schedules here, and then you've got the gatekeeper who does the pricing, and then you've got the gatekeeper who does the follow-up. And the only time that Michael Appa has to be on the phone is like three and a half to five minutes, and he right. consults you. And then it, the, it, the, the accuracy of the FaceTime mm -hmm. consult was actually pretty impressive to me. The only thing that, that changed was once I got in the chair, you added two teeth, because you could see it from my smile. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you were classic, like, collapse. So you have beautiful facial features that are kind of bold, and then you had really small teeth. Yeah. And you could see immediately that, you know, the lower third of your face was starting to grind down. So what we did to your teeth was essentially, I mean, it, you can call it cosmetic dentistry, but it's, we just restored your mouth, and that's, and if you didn't do it that way, anything you tried to put in your mouth, you were and that's kind of why I was saying about the job. Yeah. Um, so I got asked a lot of questions right after that I'd like to yeah. sort of rapid fire. First of all, yeah. I get asked constantly, what color did you make them? <laughs> OM2. OM2. <laughs> I remember yeah. you brought you brought in Ricardo. You're like, what color should we do? Which it was cool. It was watching the, uh, the mentorship in action. There were a lot of examples of that, actually. And that was just one of them. You said, what do you think would look best on her? And we talked about how you thought that my face and my, fa my uh, skin color and features could handle a lighter tooth. So it's OM2 for all of you yeah. who keep asking me. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, how many teeth did we do? I know the answer to this, but. We know. did 12 on top, 14 on bottom, 26. Yes, we did 26 teeth. So that's not bad out of memory. Yeah. Oh, I thought you might have like pulled the file or something, but oh. no, you just remember this, this gorilla. It's a good one. I remember the gorilla. Um, so, so, uh, okay. So what are some things that you, I'm only going to ask you a couple dentistry questions if that's cool. Yeah. I just think the business stuff is more important for, for my listeners, but, 
Uh, what are some things you wish more people would know about veneers for people listening to this or just in general? That's a great question. Um, I mean, there's so many obvious things that the general public thinks about, like the, you know, the teeth bones, the little nubs, and um, the, the, you know, veneers are synonymous with negativity, right? So when you think of veneers, you think of bad teeth. You think of the bad job that you see. And I think with any cosmetic procedure, hair transplants, porcelain veneers, anything like that, that's gotten a bad reputation from seeing bad work, if, if you can't see it, it means it's good work and you're not gonna know that it's veneers, right? So you're never gonna associate porcelain veneers with, oh my God, that person's teeth. But a lot of people have them that you don't know and, and I would say like what you're, what you're able to notice in work is bad work. Mm-hmm. When you can't notice it, that's good work. Um, and that, uh, you know, most people can have them. It's not, you know, the other thing that the general public thinks is like my, my teeth have to be destroyed in order to even consider porcelain veneers. And even in your case, which your teeth are pretty worn, I was recreating what you once had. I didn't give you different teeth, which is why they kind of look normal for you. Yeah. Right? I was just guesstimating how, how much you had worn away and, and where they should be. And the point is, is that a lot of people destroy their teeth over time. It's like anything, it's one of the most used parts of our body. Um, and so I think that a lot more people are candidates for it than, than the general public thinks. Yeah, so I'll go to Instagram first, or I guess more of a TikTok thing. I'm sure there's reels about it too, but I think part of the stigma comes from these uh, you know, transition trends that you see where people, it's not veneers, it's these crazy crowns. And so even I had that, I mean, until I started researching and researching and researching, I don't want my teeth to be ground down to these little sticks. And then, um, and I've watched your content, so I've seen the implications of something like this. Is there anything you would like for people to know about when they go get these Turkish smiles or you know they're spending, whatever, their crowns, but some of the bad things, because I watched a couple clips and I thought, oh my gosh, if people knew what they were actually doing to their oral health and then overall health, because your health starts in your mouth, um, they would probably yeah. consider someone who's actually qualified to do this job. Yeah. I mean, it's not great. I, you know, I hate bringing negativity into the industry. Yeah. Because uh, there's enough in dentistry. But um, good work is when you know exactly where you want to go so you're not over-reducing the tooth. When you're, when you don't know where you want, when you can't see what you want everything to look like, you're going to over-reduce the tooth and that's what you're seeing on the So, I mean, you should go to somebody who's good. (laughs) You should do your research and go to somebody who's good. And you should, and you should look at a lot of before and afters of the person that you're going to. So that's one thing I didn't do. But that was because I think I didn't look at your before and after photos because I had seen a video where you, where you were talking about how it's just your favorite part is the artistry. You like looking at someone's mouth and someone's face and uh, knowing exactly what they need. And so I told you this as soon as you put these suckers in my mouth, but as soon as you put the canines in and I saw them, I was like, oh my God, I always wanted canines. Ah! 
And then you went into typical, well, let me tell you why I put the canines in there. And you're like, it just frames here. I'm like, I don't care why they're there. I just always wanted them. I want to look like a meat eater. Um, I looked like I could only chew on, I don't even know, oatmeal or something over here. Um, but I love them. So, uh, but I love, but yeah. So for anyone who's, who didn't understand what I was talking about, when people are getting these these crowns on, they're grinding the teeth down to these little toothpicks. You've probably seen it on TikTok or Instagram or wherever. And then they're putting these crowns on. And um, that so people ask about my teeth all the time. I don't have a single crown in my mouth. And one of the funniest things you said, you might remember it, but you said uh, when you're putting my temp, we were doing the temporaries. You said. Well, you did most of uh, most of my work for me. You ground everything down, so I don't really have to do any preparation over here. Um, and so he basically lasered uh, lasered my gums to make the the gums even up on top, and then a little bit of I think you have to take the enamel off if I'm not mistaken to uh, to be able to bond the teeth. But oh, you, you know what's interesting? I didn't have to drill your bottom teeth at all if you were a number. Oh, so I, I really did all the work for you. Hold on. I want a no. discount. I'm going to call the office. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking at it. There was no drilling on your bottom teeth. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have known what you were doing, but I believe that. Because it, it seemed really fast. I remember being, yeah. per, you told me a, a certain, someone told me a certain amount of hours I was expected to be there, and it was not that long, so... Um, you were just having a good time. Yeah, I was also in like La La Land. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there, there was a little bit of that going on for sure. Um, and then uh, the one thing I will say that I want everyone to listen to on this is, number one, the temporary suck. I just want to make this known to everybody. If there was anything that I would, would tell more people, um, and not you necessarily, but I think people who get veneers, and I'll tell you why we don't tell them. We don't tell them because we forget about the struggles. Once you look at your damn teeth, you're like, nah, you know what? All of that stuff, nah, I, I seem to have forgotten. It's like men in black came through with their little wand and all the bad stuff is just gone. Um, so I'll tell you, uh, the temporaries do suck. And it's not like they hurt. It's not like whatever. But um, I had in particular uh, quite the experience. But they're just, it feels like, and this is coming from a woman who has worn a mouth guard since she was seven because I've ground my teeth for so long. Um, I, I felt like I had retainers in my mouth that I just couldn't get off my teeth for three weeks. Now, um, I'm oh, a grinder. You did get them off your teeth. Right, right, I did, I did. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always an overachiever, okay? Uh, <laughs> every single day, I felt so bad. I'm like, he's gonna think I'm the worst patient ever. I don't know how I gotta suck up to this guy, but he's gonna be just done with me. Um, but I, uh, cause I, I, you know, I'm a people pleaser at, at, at the, at the heart and soul of it. But, um, I was grinding and I ended up at another aesthetic dentist here local to me every single day. I was putting at least a tooth on again. Sometimes we were re-cementing a whole side and I live in, in the public light, right? I do speeches all the time and I live on, on the internet. And so there would be times I was about to do a call. I'm like, I'm not doing a call. I got no teeth. Um, not no teeth. <laughs> that was dramatic for everyone listening. It wasn't like that. Okay. Um, but for entertainment purposes, but I, every tooth for sure made it out of my mouth before I came back to yeah. New York after three weeks. And I was, I just, wow. And then I was scared, you know? So that's one other thing else. I was a little scared. I thought, oh gosh, we're going to get these put on. And I'm going to lose all the permanent ones, um, which didn't happen. So. That's our trick. That's what makes you go a little softer on the permanents. We make the, the temporaries really flimsy oh. to scare the hell out of you. Oh, so okay. you get the permanents on, you're like a little gentler with them. Oh, is that why they still look so good? No. Um, yeah. But one thing that I will, um, <clears throat> this is not a warning, but this is maybe for people who you're thinking, I don't need them. 
because my teeth look great or whatever, my whole bite has changed. And I know you know that because you're the dentist here, you're the professional, but I don't grind anymore. Yeah. So that is life-changing. I was the girl who had to get Botox in my masseters. Like, I don't even know how many units we were pumping into my jaw just so I wouldn't get the chronic headaches. And I don't even clench in the day anymore. And so that is, that is massive. Um, I will also say uh, the anesthesia does not wear off in your face after an hour. So don't plan a date in New York City or LA or Dubai for the night after permanent veneers are put in your mouth um, because you look like a Neanderthal. <laughs> okay, especially if you don't go numb and Dr. Appa has to come in and get frustrated and just go crazy on you. Correct. So Correct. that is like, you know, people might want to know that. And uh, I will, and, and then there's one other thing I will say that uh, I didn't know until I was going for my final fitting, which I got, people ask me constantly, and I know you get this, but does it hurt? Does it hurt? Does it hurt? Does it hurt? And it doesn't hurt at all for me. So I had zero pain. And I found out when I was about to get the permanence in, 50% um, of people, and apparently, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it has to do with the pores of your teeth. Am I, is yes. that right? Right. So wow, you really listen to everything. I'm gonna tell you something that's funny. I tell that story to every single patient, and I'm telling you, one out of a hundred hears what I say. They're just like, "Yep, yep, yep, give it the permanence." No, not me. <laughs> I listen to every word out of everyone's mouth, and I remember forever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I can't explain why I'm like that. But so you said 50% of people have no pain. And I said, oh, that sounds great. Actually, it wasn't you, it was somebody else. Um, and then, and I said, well, what about the other 50%? And he said, oh, it's like the worst pain of your life, but it's only for six hours. I said, what? what? <laughs> and this is when I'm already like gassed up, you know, they're saying, make sure you fill the prescription. And I'm like, I don't like painkillers. I just don't like how your head feels like whatever. So I said, well, I'm not filling the, the Percocets or whatever you want when I'm supposed to fill. So that's not happening. I said, I just don't receive that I have porous teeth. It's not a problem. I just don't receive that for me. And so towards the end, when I still had no pain, whoever was in my mouth at the time said, and I was way too high to tell you who it was, but whoever it was just said, uh, yeah, no, you're going to be fine. You would, you would already know by now if you're going to be in pain. So for me, um, I had no pain for anyone who asks me that, which is a lot of people, probably thousands of people at this point have said, did it hurt? Did it hurt? Did it hurt? Um, the answer is no. So I have had no pain with that. Um, cool. So is there anything else you would like to talk about teeth with? No, you have good teeth. That's all we need to know. I know. You're the best. You're the best. Um, okay. So I have actually one last question. Do you know how many, how many teeth you've, like how many mouths you've done approximately? Oh my God. I do five to six a day, five to six days a week for the last 20 years. So whatever that math turns out to be, it's a lot. Okay, so we've got an experienced man here, everybody. So you just go ahead and head over to Instagram and book your consultation. Not everybody at once because he's very busy. Um, <laughs> wow. All right, so just transitioning here for a second. Uh, you are wildly consistent. And this is something, obviously, I recognize in myself as well. And so as soon as I started following you closer as well, I'm just like, God, I love this. Um, Boringly I... consistent. Huh? Boringly consistent. Okay, but I think consistency is boring. And I yeah. think that the freedom and everything, if you look at your life, you know, you're Ferrari, I'm Lamborghini, but it's okay. You know, both Italian. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't have 
all of the freedoms that people want. You don't have the lifestyle that people want without the, dis the discipline. And the discipline isn't fun and it's not glamorous and it's not the exciting stuff that everybody sees. Um, it is the boring minutia, day in, day out, etc. So I don't need to know your whole routine unless you really want to, but maybe if you can share with people things that happen every day. And I did like when you mentioned, like, I'm not taking this photo for narcissistic purposes. It's just like my, I'm done my morning. Um, and it's just my, my ability to then step into that next stage of my day. Um, but you do workouts that look like we are, uh, have a zombie apocalypse approaching. So, um, if anybody ever feels in danger, you just go to, what is it? Like, like whatever street you're on. I don't even remember 76th or something. You just go to 76th and, uh, you've got the zombie killer over here. Um, but yeah, what is, what does your day look like? What is this routine you've got? Yeah. So, um, first of all, the, the reason the routine is the routine is because, when you are traveling on so many different time zones and, and you have to be 100% focused, you know, I'm using my hands on a very, you know, tactile sense. I have to be sharp mentally and, you know, I'm running a business and I am performing intricate dentistry at the same time and I'm doing it at a pace that's really never been done in dentistry. Um, and I have a lot of moving parts all throughout the day. I mean, there's patients in three different time zones that are always, you know, somebody chip for temporary, somebody, you know, fill in the blank. So I wake up 4.45, um, coffee, and then the gym at 5.45. 5.45 till 7. Now the interesting thing is I, during COVID, I couldn't work out in my, in my building in New York because of COVID. Um, so I actually built a gym down the block from my apartment. So, and yeah, and I have a trainer on staff that travels with me. So that is the first part of my day every day, whether it's, I mean, honestly, whether it's super intense or it's just because I need to, that first thing has to happen. So sometimes they're zombie apocalyptic workouts and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just, you know, maintenance workouts where I'm getting Theragun and stretch just to get you know, to recover. Um, and then I do my selfie, you know, after I shower. And then my day, you know, we run morning meetings in most, most of the time, more so in New York because it's a much bigger team. Um, and that's pretty much setting up for what's to come. Um, and then, and then I work all day and then I go home, I eat my vegan meal and I, go to bed at 9.30, literally 9.30. Like I'm in bed at 8.30. And then you're sleeping by 9.30, I love like it. Like in the summer, it's still light out and I'm walking upstairs to go to bed. Oh yeah, because the long, long hours there. Interesting, okay. So some questions in that first question. Are you vegan or is it just a vegan dinner? I am vegan, but I'll tell you, um, this week I'm starting to look at eating meat because I've gone through all these blood tests and I'm paranoid about nutrient deficiencies and all that other stuff. So I have been vegan for three years and I've been pretty strict about it. Yeah. It's like anything, you know, I work better on a program. Yeah. I don't care what the program is, but if it's beneficial to me and I think it's going to make me, you know, superhuman or smart or last longer in any mental capacity, I'm on board and they, I try to find, I don't know anything about it, but I try to find really good people that do, and then I just follow exactly what they say. Yeah. And that's kind of my, 
Do you do you think that everybody works better in in uh, programs like that? Because I do. I just think that people I think are scared maybe to follow programs like that. Like you say, four forty five in the morning, people went, "Oh God, I'm out." You know, but then I know, you know, I know, I know. But once you start doing it, it's so automatic that your brain has so much more time to actually critically think because you don't have to worry about all the steps in your day. They're just I could be sleeping through the first half of my day. Yes. And it's the same exact thing every time. And that's kind of, you know, but at the same time, if there's one thing that, that I, that throws me off, it throws me off a lot more than maybe normal people. Right. So I, I can't get to bed by 10. I am panic stricken. Like if I had to go to a dinner, I had to have a late zoom meeting or whatever. I usually will just cancel and people will think I'm bizarre. But they don't understand that, like, I need to be in bed at 8.30 so that I fall asleep by 9.30, 10. If there's anything that encroaches upon that, like, even when I had my my kids, are, they're older now, but when they were in high school, there was a rule, like, 10 o'clock, you have to be inside, no, like, coming home at 10.30, 11 o'clock, or stay out. But don't come home at 11 and start slamming the doors and get a stack because I need to be dead asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I... I am very much so the same way in regards to if one thing throws it off. It's like I feel like I'm catching up for days, even though it might seem like something little. Um, and so, yeah. So I've gotten into a lot of outsourcing and things like that to make the simplicity of my life so much easier. So I'm not thinking about the food. I'm not thinking about whatever. And I, I love that you uh, you hired somebody for that. I did my blood work too. So I found out all my vitamin. People are like, you look so good. What did you do? Oh, my God. I'm like, well, when you find out everything that inflames you, when you find out everything your body cannot process, and you find out every single vitamin that your body is screaming for, uh, yeah, and your, everything drops, your cortisol drops, you know, every, all your, your body just starts to move differently and your energy is different. And I, my goal when I met with this, this, uh, this doctor, I said, if, if I could have, I'm just going to talk Jesse Lee for a second here because whatever, I'm like whatever. I said, if I can get an hour and a half more of my flow energy during the day, it is over for these hoes. Like, nobody's going to catch me. Like, I'm, I, I'm already an animal. You give me another hour and a half, like, forget about it. Nobody's ever going to catch me. Yeah. So, um, and so that's been, like, the last three months of my life is just, like, dialing every little extra thing in. And, you know, yeah, not thinking about food, not thinking about water, not thinking about any of these things. And I just keep hiring more people. My staff has increased by almost 400%. And I'm like, I don't care because everything else, if I get – if, if, if I take myself out of the equation sometimes and I keep the same disciplines and the same routine, everything flies. Um, so I, I recognize that and anyway, I appreciate that. So you mentioned just the day, like once the day starts, it's flying, you're just going, you're doing whatever. I noticed, and here comes another weird story, but most of your patients don't do this, so just don't freak out. Don't start, you know, analyzing oh everyone, goodness. all right? But I am a little bit crazy, and so, uh, you know, whatever, it's just part of my charm. So... <laughs> I knew from the moment I walked in, I could learn from you. Um, well, before, the, um, uh, the consultation even, which I already went over with you. But then when I walked in your office, the attention to detail, like the, the way the branding is done and the way, like there's, it, it's clear to me the lab is set up right there for a reason. Like there's every, uh, there's attention to detail that nobody else is seeing. I can tell the way the front desk operates is intentional. I can tell the way the offices are set up, you know, every little tiny whatever, um, it just felt thought out to me. And so I knew that, well, well, okay, so I don't know if this is every dentist, but some of, some of the fancy dentists like yourself, you know, you'll sit in your chair and the TV, why would a dentist put a TV on the wall in front of you? Like, I can't watch that, right? So your TVs are right on the ceiling. 
Just so everyone yeah. knows, once everyone books their appointments with you, okay? So you guys can watch your movies, and he's got, you know, HBO, so you can Game of Thrones it. You can, uh, you know, but don't jump or anything, you know, at the Red Wedding. You'll get a drill in your face. Um, but, you know, you can watch Disney Plus probably. I don't know. He's got Netflix. He's got whatever. So you can Netflix and chill with Dr. Appa. Um, but, but I'm laying there, and I would watch whatever the hell I'm watching, okay? I don't know what I, I was trying to find something. I don't even own a TV in my house, so I don't even know what's trending. It's a problem. Uh, but <laughs> I can tell you what trending podcasts are out there. I can't tell you about the television. But uh, every time you would walk in, I would keep that little Roku remote in my hand, and I would turn the volume all the way down. So, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, I'll tell you one thing that you were allowed to do that most are not is most are not allowed to keep that remote because they turn the volume down. Oh. They all want to hear what I'm saying when I come in. Like I'm like I'm gonna come in and be like, oh wow, we really messed this one up, huh? Oh, that's not what I was looking for. It wasn't no, a control thing. Most patients and they like they want to know if like something's going wrong. <laughs> I usually take the remote out of their hands, you know, because they're oh. talking the whole time. Yeah, so I was trying to be real subtle about it. Okay, so uh, the re- so everyone with your appointments, you cannot keep the remote. The remote will be confiscated. But I had the remote, and so anytime you would walk in, I would turn the volume off all the way, and I would like pretend that I'm watching. And the reason I did it was because I wanted. I didn't care. I mean, I did care about my teeth, but I knew I was in the best hands. So. What I did care about, though, is I wanted to see how you interacted with people, and I wanted to see how your mentorship would be in action, because that's important to me. And I wanted to see if there was a situation that was strange or maybe inconvenient, not that I had any fear around it. It was like, how does somebody handle conflict, or how does he handle when something doesn't go right? And there were little things with with me. So as an example, I mentioned it, but this happened both times. This happened during my temporaries and during my permanence, where... um, the, uh, I don't know, maybe I have tough nerves or something, but whoever you had, you had set to numb me did not numb me all the way. And so I'm like, Hey, you know, I can feel it. And I've seen people, leaders, you know, cause you're a leader. I've seen leaders just, you know, scream at people. I've seen the, how could you do this? I've seen whatever. And so I listened to the way you were talking to people and it was more of a guidance. It was more of a teaching lesson. It was more of a, this is why she might need more. It was, it was these little things. I don't know who you were talking to, but there was one point you were explaining the symmetry of my face and you said, like, we have to cut her gums like this and her teeth need to be longer, which by the way, uh, he measured and one of them was like 6.4 millimeters, which is very bad, very small. And now they're both 11. So we doubled my teeth size. Okay. And I was very nervous. Uh, not about that, but whatever. Um, so (laughs) I mean, it's me. Okay. We can all guess what I was nervous about. I'm like, is this going to impact my sex life? Okay. So, I mean, I'm glad you're smiling like that because that's really where I went with it. I'm like, I'm very nervous about this. Like these are, there's a lot of teeth. Like I have a little mouth. Okay. Moving along. Um, by the way, everything's fine. Get your veneers. So uh, just in case anyone's wondering, but you, they're all wondering. So you said to whoever was in there, there was, it seemed like there was always someone in there that you were teaching. And yeah. so you said, look, she has lip filler. And the reason she got lip filler is to balance this. And I was like, wow, yeah. he can, he's paying attention to these little tiny things. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you would say, hey, like I mentioned Ricardo, hey, go grab Ricardo. And I want him to look at why, at, at, you know, the colors here or let, let him pick the colors here or what he thinks we should do here. And then you would let them tell you what they thought would be the right course of action in my mouth. And then you would say, yeah, that might work. But it, it, don't you think that, 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 that. 
And so it was really, it wasn't even just that. There were, I mean, I, you kept coming in over and over again in multiple appointments now, so it hasn't just been one or two times. But you also did it with, uh, with photography, right? You were yeah. explaining to somebody, hey, this, I know it might not seem like an important job. And so, again, this translates to all business. It might, you wow, said to her. you really were picking stuff up. I listened this to everything. This is like my morning meeting. Oh, great, great. Well, this, yeah, you said this might not seem like an important job. But yeah. it's really important that you take these photos right from the right angle. And then I have the entire, I have all, everything. I need to see them all. And they need to be, I need, I need the perfect photos. Because otherwise, the slightest bit, they're not right. And so then you just, you gently showed her how to do it right. And you're, you know, you're so fast about it, of course. And so, and, but it wasn't done like, come on, you, you're going to mess up the photos. You're going to, whatever, how are we going to even know? We're not even going to compare. This is so important. We have before and after. There was none of this almost dictator leadership that I see sometimes, especially from people in a position where I know you've been with Rosenthal for, th- for 20 years now. Uh, I know the story of you earning your position there with him and making it, you're so good, he can't ignore you. Uh, and I think it was that you had 60% of the practice or something, I think you said, if, if my memory is right. And so I was like, well, yeah, okay, get on in here. Um, but sometimes people's egos just get out of control. And so I thought that was super impressive, the way that you were leading them. Um, but how did you start to determine, you know, what things you have to do and what things you don't have to do? And how long did it take you to start, I call it firing yourself? So that you could do yeah. the things that only, only Dr. Appa can do. Well, here's a cautionary tale. Um, I think that, number one, I'm a perfectionist, and that is a curse and a blessing. But I do feel, I feel that we really need to take a little more, um, pride in what we do. And I don't care, I mean, and I use this example all the time in in my office meetings, but when you go to Starbucks in the morning, especially in New York, there's a Starbucks at every corner, right? And they're all giving you the same coffee. It's just the Starbucks you tend to go to is efficient, you're not waiting, they're pleasant, they get your coffee right, and it's it's a, you know, it's a non-issue. Right. If you went to the same Starbucks every day and the cashier didn't know how to check you out, or the the order ahead wasn't available every time, or the barista always made your coffee wrong, and you had to stop and correct them and say, "Oh no, I need less milk or more ice or whatever," you wouldn't go to that Starbucks anymore. You would find a different, right? Right. And my point is that it doesn't matter if you are making the coffee filling the shelves, checking the person out. Every person is the, every person in that order or that patron coming in is critically val- valuable to the success of each client coming in and out, right? Yeah. If there's one weak link, everyone has to double up and gets annoyed and frustrated, and then you can feel it in the atmosphere. You know, there's one good Starbucks employee working with 10 crappy ones, they have to hold the weight. And so they're good, but they're always pissed off because they're huffing and puffing and they have to do everybody else's job, right? So I try to instill that in the team, but in my industry specifically, and you know, a lot of them are like this, I unfortunately am responsible for absolutely everything that goes right or wrong, mm-hmm. right? So I get all the praise. 
but I get all the complaints. Yeah. Everything is my fault. If a patient is misscheduled, if a you know color of a tooth is wrong, if, if anything you can think of, if someone is charged, you know that's been a patient there for a long time, and I have a new front desk girl, and they're usually billed versus you know charged when they're walking out. They come back to me, and it's a person you know like you're growing too fast. Um, you know, it, this used to be a different place, and now I don't like the way that it is anymore. There's too many people. You know, everyone, unfortunately, people will want to find an excuse why you're, you can't be doing what you're doing well, right? Yeah. And so when, you're, when you take it like that, I wanted to fire myself on a lot of things, but what I have found, unfortunately, is rather than grow, 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 and you know, I could have opened 50 offices by now. I only have three and I'm going on my fourth. And I'm doing it that way. I mean, the last office I opened was LA in 2019. And I haven't owned anything since. Um, and I'm doing it that way because it's critically important that, you know, we are a luxury service. So I don't want to let things go unless I know that they are dialed in by somebody else. And so what you see in New York especially is I am working as a dentist, managing a dental office and training potential people to go into other dental offices. So what you're experiencing when you're in the chair is me doing kind of three things at one time. So. The dentistry, fortunately, is the easiest part of my day. It never makes me nervous. I never have to think about what I'm doing. Like I can get into someone, and it's a whole different, you know, it's my relaxation, right? It's the time where my brain actually gets to rest and enjoy, because that's the thing that I love to do most. So it's the easiest for me. But the training and the letting go of things and being responsible and, you know, getting blamed when things go wrong, when you know that you're trying to let go of things, you know, everyone says you can't micromanage. So the short answer to your question is I used to micromanage less in my early 40s, now I'm 45. I'm starting to micromanage a little more because I feel that people really need to, I feel like our patients deserve to get, to have it be gotten right. And so therefore, I want to make sure that before I just say, like, you do it, because I've done that. And if there's no checks and balances along the way, it can go way off course. So I'm a little more headstrong in making sure, you know, we have 95 employees now in all three offices. And I've broken it down into departments where I can communicate with less people, but I'm still overseeing everything that's going on at this point. And I feel that I have to, um, or else things can go really bad. The congruencies in dentistry and me and just my business world is, it's almost scary. I mean, I'm sitting yeah. here, like, I've done that. I've hired the people and kind of said, yeah, go, go, go. Yeah, no, it's been oh, oh, oh uh, pretty immediately, and then you're you're backtracking and you're trying to fix everything. And, oh God, I wouldn't have done it like that. And then you've got to have the conflicting conversations where you're dealing with you know conflict and resolution. I don't have time for conflict and resolution. I gotta have dinner at right. six. You know, it's like right. it all starts to spiral. So I, I appreciate that perspective a lot, which takes me to your staff. Your staff is amazing. 
I had a great experience with all of them. It's funny, the second time I walk, or first time I walk in, I guess because they had seen me, or I don't know how it all worked out, but I walk in, it's, oh, we love you on social media, yeah. oh my gosh, da, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, and you had referenced, yeah, you know, I, I, I've done tons of big influencers, but I think you have the right people watching you. Like, yeah, I've got business yeah. people, you know, people who, you know, they, they want their teeth done by the best. They don't want to get, you know, the squared off veneers. They want, they want the best. They want this experience. Like, you know, my friend just got his teeth done yesterday, two days ago from you. But my question then, cause your people are great. Your, den- your other dentists are great. Um, I've gotten to know some of them pretty well as well as, you know, some people at your front desk and things like that. But how are you attracting this talent outside of the brand, which we can get to as well, but you've attracted, you've clearly attracted some of the best dentistry talent out there. And just a little to you, uh, when I, I have a friend, she lives in the same building as I do, and she is an aesthetic dentist here in Frisco, Texas. She's the number one here. And she, she, you know, I run into her, I said, hey girl, like I'm actually going to get my teeth done. And she goes, oh, who's doing your teeth? You know, of course, because she's excited. And I said, oh, you know, I'm going to New York. I want to see Dr. Appa. She's like, oh, and it was, it was very similar in a way when people say, oh, I'm working with Jesse Lee. <gasps> you know, <laughs> like, oh, I know this face. Well, tell me about this. What is this? She goes, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, he's my mentor. You know, if, if I find out he's speaking at an event and I'll spend the $7,000, I'll spend the $10,000 for the hour that he's going to be on stage to teach me about these teeth. It's the exact yeah. same. And so this is so, this is just so congruent, but where is this talent coming from? Where do you find these people? It seems like you like Brazil a lot, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, where, where is this talent from? And then is that because of the brand? Are they finding you? What, what is the, what is the process here? So I think with any, I, I don't know, I don't think it's specific to Dennis, right? No. But when I'm always focused on really good work, that's been my calling card for everything. And I think I achieved that pretty early on in my career. Like I said, dentistry's always been the easy part for me. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of social media, the way that I use it, I just, it's just who I am as a person. And it's exactly who I am on social media, which is important, right? Yeah. Um, is that I think I, and I don't find I, I think what happens is I resonate towards a certain, I think people want to be in the company now because of the growth and the status and the, and the skill level and the lab technicians and you know what we have to offer. I think that's obvious, right? And that just happened for me, just putting my head against the wall every day and trying to do really good work, right? And just building, building, building that reputation. Um, but I think what's interesting for patients when they come in, and it's, you know, that's why I never feel any competition with any other dentist. People ask me all the time, like, who's your competition? And I'm like, no one, because patients that come and see me usually resonate with me as do my team members, right? So it's all kind of like-minded people, and that's why I feel so comfortable with someone like you. And that's really what it's geared towards. Like, I'm not trying to treat everyone. I'm trying to treat people that we appreciate and enjoy and that it will, you know, that appreciate us. Or else it's it's just not fun. You know, when you get personalities in, and that's the amazing thing about becoming successful is the ability to say no. But when you get people in that you don't feel that you jive with, the best thing to do is just stop it before it starts because it just becomes a headache to everyone, to them, 
to you, to the team. It's a, it's a lose-lose that situation. So I, I feel like everything, the, the people that you see, the technicians, the lab technicians, the dentists, I think they all resonate with me personally, yeah. right? And that's why they come and they just happen to be, you know, obviously I'm not gonna hire people that are not super talented, so. But I am able to hire, there's a lot of talented people that I wouldn't hire. Right. I guess that's the difference. And so is the criteria for that also partially just core values of who you are or of who Apa Aesthetics is or? Who Apa Aesthetics is, right? Because the best functioning teams are the ones that can coexist with each other. We're, you know, we're in a small space for 10 hours a day, five days a week, right? So if you can't get the chemistry right with the team, it's, a, it's difficult. I love that. So I was with Jay Shetty the other day and he said that everyone he hires and then everyone he lets in his life uh, the first criteria is energy. The second is if they can provide strategy. And then the third is if the money makes sense. And he said they all flow into each other. And so it's, yeah. and I just like the way he put that, but it's, I mean, you said it just in a different way, right? And I think yeah. that everybody who's able to have a very strong, cohesive inner circle team, which you have to have, you know, people don't necessarily see all the behind the scenes stuff, but even though you've got the big enough personality, you would say you don't have a big personality. You're also introverted like I am. Um, which shocks people all the time. You you force yourself to do the things that you know will bring the people in, and then you show you showcase showcase this. I laughed so hard seeing you were you had that someone was making you film something, right? And I can only imagine the person who's like, "Come on, we got to go on the street. We got to film these Instagram videos." And you have to have that rapport where you're just like, "You're so lucky. I like you because I do not want to sit at a cafe and pretend to answer questions about teeth. Like I'd rather die right now." Um, yeah. because I get the content schedule, you know, you gotta do, you know, uh, okay. Um, but, but I, I love that. And it is, it is really cool watching you guys all work together. Oh, see, is this, a, is the person next to you that makes you do the damn videos? Okay, great. Uh, well make sure you film this one for your, for his TikTok. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it is important though. And that is, and that is your brand yes. though. Did you, did you have a brand idea in mind when you were doing this? Like, did you have something set out in your mind? I want to be known outside of excellent dentistry and all these different things like your name is a brand your name is associated with the best dentistry cosmetic dentistry period and yeah maybe it's because i'm in the world of people you're trying to attract off so you're not looking for riffraff who can scrounge up a hundred thousand dollars for teeth you're looking for people that you like doing business with like you just said which probably makes your life a lot more peaceful and easier but like, did you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm going to have my name on a toothbrush. I'm going to have my name, I want my name on, on toothpaste. I'm going to have the gum cream, the lip stuff, the whatever. Was this all part of the plan? And how has, <laughs> I'm guessing yes in your face. Um, and then how has having those little things scaled, scaled all of Apa Aesthetics? It was on my mind from the very beginning. Um, like I told you, in, in my earliest years, I'm talking when I was 26, 27, just starting dentistry, I would always use to Larry, I would always try to get him excited, like, there's Giorgio Armani, there's Emporio Armani, like, there's different levels, like, we can have this as the high-end level, and then we can scale out smaller offices that, you know, is for the masses, and he, you know, he's a big thinker, too, and no one today still thinks that it's possible. Even when I talk to business leaders today, they look at me and they're like, you're not scalable. You're single, like people are coming for you. And it's not true. 
Like once you get into it, and I see it because I am not in every office at all times, but people are coming for the office and liking the people that are there. It doesn't have to be me, and that's great. And the great thing about my last name is it's kind of innocuous. Like you don't really know if it's a word or a name. Like what is that? Could be an acronym. People people write Dr. A P A like capital letters with periods all the time, as if like it, it is an acronym. So did I think about this? Yes. Um, I started doing it when I was 29, going to Dubai, and you know it's like anything. You, you have an idea, and it sets you in motion towards something, and you don't know exactly where it. Did I? Imagine that I was going to have my name on a toothbrush. No, but little by little, you can't possibly imagine the possibilities until they arise. And then it's about saying yes and giving it a go with, you know, a, a pretty good intent in mind. But I, I feel like my focus has always made the pathway pretty narrow as to where I'm going, and I don't stray off into a million. You know, I. I've never said like, oh, I'll do dentistry, but I also want to be a Hollywood producer, or I'll do dentistry, but I also want to sell speakers. Or you know, it's always been like, I want to build an empire in dentistry, and along the way, the things I couldn't imagine working out the way that they did, but it's because I was young and I hadn't gotten started. So I, I think those things accumulate as you start going down the path, and then you start to see, oh, well, that's actually possible, and that that fits into what my vision is so we'll add that and then yeah so you had to have taken risks then because i'm sure people were telling you you're crazy they probably still tell you you're crazy you probably are crazy i'll tell you you're crazy but crazy recognizes crazy um so what are some of these i know so 29 going to dubai which was basically a sand pit at that point um you know that's that's one of my favorite places on earth just because you go and it's somebody who had a vision. It's somebody who had an idea. It's somebody who said, I'm going to do the impossible right. and I'll show you the possible as possible. So I, I'm going back to Dubai in, in two weeks and you know, I just, whenever I go there, I just, you're, yeah, I mean, at least people like us, your mind expands to, to start to include things that everybody's told you aren't possible. So I'm sure when you were younger, you were much more risk averse. You're like, I don't care. Uh, I can blow it all up and I'll build it again. Um, what are some of the biggest risks you took that maybe your closest friends or family or colleagues or whoever were just like, Michael, hey, what, what are we doing here, man? <laughs> and they paid off for you. Um, I, you know, it started, it's been a chain of, a chain of events of risks. So I started, um, I was going to, I had no money. I grew up, you know, relatively poor, not poor, but not, not even middle class. Um, I was going to a state school at Buffalo, University of Buffalo for dental school. Um, I was supposed to go there and it was like $10,000 a year. And I knew that I needed to be in New York at NYU, which was $70,000 a year to be near Larry. And so I was in this three, four program where I was going to cut a year off of college and go to dental school for $10,000 a year. And I said, it's never going to work. I can't go to Buffalo. I need to be in New York. And that was my first, like, every person in my life is like, you're insane. You're not even, you know, your job is not even going to be able to pay back your student loans. Like, go to Buffalo. My local mentor, dentist, my parents, everyone. 
So that was number one. And then it was, I was in residency. And back when I was in residency in 2002, yeah, 2002, um, it was not uh, a necessity to facilitate your license. So when you graduated dental school, you essentially had a license. Most people went to residency to gain an extra year of experience, clinical experience, to feel comfortable going into private practice. However, once you committed, you were signing a contract and it's basically a $100,000 grant from the school to the hospital. So it was very important that if you signed a contract to go to residency, you better go. So I signed a contract to go to residency. I went to residency for about five months and then Larry called me and said, you know, I need someone, do you want to come work for me? It was my, you know, my whole life. And so I went back to my professors at NYU and I was like, I have to leave residency. And they're like, if you leave residency, you are going to be blackballed in dentistry. Do not do it. You'll get sued. You'll be blackballed. It will be a big problem. Don't do it. So I did it. <laughs> I was fine. Um, which then led me into being at Larry's at the right time, at the right place, where he was considering offering partnership to someone, which he did. It was another huge risk because I put up a lot of money. Um, wow. You know, it keeps going, but it started with with all of those things, and and, and they really. You know, I just did a post on this on Instagram. I don't see anything as as mistakes or risks. I just see them as decisions that you kind of once you make them, you have to you have to you know people have to understand they have the ability to make the outcome come what they want. And if I don't think that I can force the outcome in my favor, I won't choose the decision. That's my question, right? Is if I make this decision, can I funnel it to where I need it to be or is it completely out of my hands, right? And so most of the decisions I make, some people would say I made mistakes during certain things or not, but they were always decisions that I could control the inevitability and the outcome. And so I don't ever see them as risks or you know mistakes. I just see them as like, this is what I'm meant to do and this is what I want to do, so it's gonna happen. Wow, that was so powerful. <laughs> oh, I think everyone should rewind and listen to that just because there's so much in vision casting and belief in yourself and trusting yourself and your intuition. Where do you know where that comes comes from? Like you have this you have clearly this innate belief in yourself, like you said, to control situations. And, and top performers all have this, by the way, because yeah. you, you can't become a top performer by holding yourself back constantly. Where does that come from? Were you always driven when you were little? And, 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 and is it the consistency in yourself that teaches you to believe in yourself? Where is this level of, hey, like, I will until, so nobody's going to stop me unless I stop me. Where does that come from? I'll tell you exactly where it comes from. So when I was young, I was... I think I had a super high IQ, right? But I was, to everyone else's standards, I was chubby and unathletic. So I grew up super smart in my own head, but shut down. I grew up in upstate New York, and I was pretty much shut down just by my outs, you know, jocks that could play baseball really well or play football really well were, you know, kind of put up on a pedestal. And I was like a skateboarder. Uh, you know, my parents were worried that I wasn't going to graduate college. Wow. Let alone, you know, and it's always a joke, but 
it comes from a chip on my shoulder, for sure. Like being really smart, being a little introverted, being very sensitive, you know, very sensitive, believe it or not. Is that why you don't like when you're when people cry around you? No. I look, don't say anything around me, I'll remember it. I cried watching Sex in the City on the TV and then they were like, Oh no, he's gonna come in here and see you crying and he doesn't like when people cry. I'm like, I'm about to cry, you can't stop it, I'm crying. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like people crying around me. Um, yeah, but that's where it comes from. And I, you know, it's a common story. And, and it, it's funny because, you know, you obviously, you know, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan, but it comes from a similar place of just like, you know, having a little chip on your shoulder. People constantly telling me that I couldn't do things. But when you're smart and you know that you can, it just fuels your, it fuels me big time. And that's where it all stems from. Yeah, I heard it. And then when you actually start achieving things, then it's like throwing gasoline on your fire, right? Because yeah. there's constant reinforcement, constant reinforcement, and then you feel like almost unstoppable, where it's like, you know, anything's possible. Yeah, I don't know who said it. I heard it was like somebody said, I love my, it's someone famous. I wish I remember the quote. It's like, I love the people who love me. Oh, there's my dog. Hi. Uh, I love the people who love me, but my haters fire me up. You know, people yeah. who tell me I can't do it. And that's a very similar thing as well that I think a lot of top performers have is people doubted them. People told them they were crazy. People told them, you know, count yourself out. You know, this is crazy. Your dreams make no sense. And yeah. then proving them wrong. And so um, I think that, I mean, you're wildly successful and you still have this air of humility that just oozes out of you. And I think a lot of that probably does come from that chip on your shoulder. But clearly you've, uh, you've proven a lot of people wrong. And I hope you reflect on that sometimes and just are... You know, you see how far you've come. And I know you, you're going further. I think, uh, I don't I don't think there's ever a time where you're like, I'm done. I'm good. Yeah. Um, but you, you you know, it's, you've come very far. And so I hope you do take those moments sometimes. Maybe when you're getting in the jets or the Ferraris or the whatever, flying to Dubai, who knows? And you're like, damn, like, I'm so glad I left residency. <laughs> um, how's that blackballing going so far for you? <laughs> Anyway, I totally respect your time, so I just have one more question for you before we wrap up, and that's what's what's next for you? What do you what do you want to do next? Because I know there's got to be more. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I want to find the right partner, the right business partner to really scale these offices with the right management team. I mean, I think I have all of the pieces. I just need, you know, I'm, I'm also. Um, I'm also pretty secure with what I don't know. And knowing that I cannot be everywhere and knowing that organizational skills, you know, crossing T's and dying I's is not my strong suit. I'm a big picture thinker and I don't have that kind of team behind me that's gonna go open 50 offices and really cross T's and dot I's on every single level. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. I'm opening Miami 2023. Um, Yay! Is it Brickle like we talked about? You doing Brickle? Yeah, Brickle or Design District. I'm going back and forth. Love it. Can I go get my teeth cleaned there instead? Cause... Of course. Okay. Of course. <laughs> no offense, New York, but uh, I love yeah. my yummy, okay? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be saying that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be, um, there's going to be Apple offices throughout the United States, so people are LA, or, and they can go in and get a great result. I love that. So what, lastly, just so you know, if you want to say where people can find you, and then what services outside of veneers do you guys offer at Apple Aesthetics? Because it's not just 
veneers for those of you listening yeah. and you're like, ah, yeah, my teeth are fine. I can do this. I like, I think I like my dentist. I don't really care about my dentist, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, what, I know you offer more than that. So maybe if you want to do a little bit of plug for, for what you do and where they can find you and they can book their consultations and stuff like that. Um, you, like I, I really, I'm not exaggerating. My experience with you and your team was so world-class. Um, I appreciate your time so much, uh, not, not, you know, not only just here, which of course I appreciate, but your presence when you are there, even when it's in and out because you fired yourself where you're supposed to have fired yourself, and I respect that so much. You're, you're very present, you're very calm, you're very in the moment, and you are clearly a master at what you do. So um, I'm not just saying it because my teeth ended up being so damn good. Um, I would have said it anyway. The experience was just, it was awesome. And so I just, yeah. I want, and most people fear the dentist because they have these awful experiences. And it was just, you know, top to bottom, start to finish, an awesome, awesome experience. Your whole staff, front desk, everything in between. Um, was amazing. So if you want to do a little plug for what you do and what people can look forward to when they go check you out, um, I would love that for you. Yeah, so I think um, that is what we do. I think we're trying to recreate the dental experience in all aspects of dentistry. So we have everything basically under one roof um, and it's just in a different way. It's the way that it should be. I mean, why does dentistry have to be that doom and gloom, handed a clipboard, sit in the corner in like a brown office? This is upbeat, uplifting, and it's it's kind of something where we're saying, we'll take care of your teeth, you deal with the rest of your problems, right? It's one thing off your checklist that you don't have to think or worry about. Um, and we're in New York, in LA, in Dubai, and um, yeah, that's about it. I love it. So he's at doctor, you can spell it out, D-O-C-T-O-R, APA, A-P-A, on Instagram, now we, and or at, at APA, APA.Aesthetics on Instagram as well. You can check out both pages. But I love this interview. I love my time with you. Thank you for some insight on not only the dentistry, but also what's actually going on in your mind, which I knew was not just teeth. Um, so thanks for sharing that with us because I think so yeah. many people can take a lot out of this. And thanks for being such a forward thinker and a visionary. Uh, you inspire more people than you probably realize. So I do appreciate you so much. Literally, how amazing was that? Like, I feel like I could have talked to him for another six hours, right? Like, oh, best friend. <laughs> well, don't say that. Courtney will get mad. Um, at any rate, if you love this, like I'm sure you did, make sure you screenshot this and you put it in your stories. This is episode 556. Tag me. I'm Boss Lee. And tag Dr. Appa, D-O-C-T-O-R-A-P-A. And let him know what you think of the show. Love you guys. And I'll see you tomorrow.